Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Uh, as always, want to thank our producer, who I could not do the show without, Mr. Adam Zalouf and Rick Mitchell for the introductions. Uh, today's guest is uh, somebody we've had on before. Uh, he's one of my favorite authors. He is the expert on Pittsburgh sports. Uh, he has written a ton of books. I, I can't even name them all, but we're definitely going to talk about some of the, his past books and, of course, a couple of his latest books. And that is Mr. David Finoli. David, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. David, before we go on uh, about your, your, your newest books and some of your past books, as I mentioned, we have some bad news uh, to share today. And uh, uh, Rennie Stennett, the 1971-1979 uh, World Series champion with the Pittsburgh Pirates, a friend of the show and uh, a friend of mine and somebody who I cared for a ton. And I know uh, I was going to ask you, your relationship with Rennie uh, passed away uh, last night at the age of 72. Um, it was a shock to me because I didn't even know he was sick. And I spoke to him a few months ago and um, was looking forward to seeing him um, at the 71 reunion uh, this year. If they were gonna, I think they were going to have one. But uh, tell us your thoughts and some memories uh, about Rennie Stennett. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, like you, I, I was uh, stunned when I saw that today. Uh, apparently, from what I've gathered, he had uh, he had been ill with cancer recently. Yeah. Um, but um, Rennie Stennett, uh, in 1971, I was I was nine years old. And, you know, certainly that was my first really memorable uh, baseball season. And Rennie Stennett was a young, uh, young rookie uh, on the team, hit 353, I believe. Um, just blew away everybody. I mean, no, nobody really expected Rennie to, um, to start his career like that. I, I remember being disappointed when Danny Murtaugh um, kept him off the uh, playoff roster. Of course, right. kept the veteran uh, Jose Pagan, and it turned out to be the right move as Jose <laughs> knocked in the, uh, the series winning run in Game 7. But, um, I mean, Rennie was just uh, an incredible player, a good defensive player, um, Certainly in 75, he, he makes his uh, mark in baseball history as uh, the only modern player and still the only modern player to have seven hits in a regulation nine-inning game. Um, I think Mark Crawford uh, did the trick, and but his was in extra innings. Right. Um, but, um, I mean, he, he was that. Uh, unfortunately, I believe it was 77, he was having a career year, um, full season where he was hitting 336 and just had a horrific uh, accident sliding uh, into uh, second base, which inevitably would, would end his career. But, um, I mean, Rennie, um, uh, the couple of times I had met him, I really didn't know him well, but he just seemed like a very class individual um, and, and certainly is, is just great memories from, from my past with uh, um, probably my, my first, Pirate player that I you, you really just started rooting for with with his rookie season that year, but um, just just a horrific day. Hate seeing when um, any of uh, our childhood heroes go, but you know this certainly hits hits a little deeper. 
It, it does. And, you know, I started, I was uh, introduced to Re Rennie back in 71 as well, but more so when I got his first, his baseball card, you know, with the, him kneeling, uh, and it was yeah. a Shea Stadium picture with the wristbands, right? And yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was it. That was my guy, right? And, and then to become friends with him was really special. And then as I've said on the show several times, uh, a couple of years ago, July of 19, I went to go see him because he was in town for the 79 reunion. And um, mm -hmm. we had dinner. We spent some time together. And then he said, well, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, he invited me to the uh, pirate reunion. And that was a very oh, wow. magical. Yeah, it was a very magical yeah. uh, moment for me because he invited my wife and I. And my daughter couldn't make it. But um, I remember I said, this, again, I said this story on the show before, but um he gave me the opportunity to have another magic moment with, with that group, with that era of baseball. And sure, they were showing sure. some highlights on the scoreboard and I, I got emotional. I, I started to cry, David. And um, my wife yeah. said, what's wrong? And I said, you know, I said, I really enjoyed that era of baseball. I enjoyed that team. And I'm so grateful and blessed to be doing what I'm doing now in my baseball career. And I'm here. You know, I'm yeah. here, even though I've known a lot of those guys for years, it still doesn't hit me or register. Or I still step away from it and say, wow, look where I'm at with, you know, in, in the, in the yeah, company absolutely. of these guys, you know, and, and, uh, I always appreciated him inviting us. And like I said, we've, um, you know, we, we talked a lot and, uh, and uh, same with Grant Jackson, uh, him passing that, that was right. tough. And, uh, right. so it, like you said, it's hard to see guys that, um, that you grew up watching, whether you knew them or not, you know, you, you watch these guys and, and, and they pass and it's, uh, you just don't know, you don't see it. You don't expect it kind of, you know, I mean, it, it was a different era. I mean, those, those guys meant a lot to us. I, I mean, you know, we collected their baseball cards. I mean, you know, uh, listen to their every game. I mean, it, yeah. it was a different era. You, 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 um, you really appreciate that. I mean, I, I remember, uh, I was a freshman at Duquesne in 79 and, and uh, just the memories uh, of that team. And I remember being in market square, um, which is in the middle of downtown Pittsburgh with uh, hundreds of thousands of, of other fans after they won. And I, I looked at my roommate and said, God, this is going to be fun next year. Who, who <laughs> knew that next year, next year was not going to come. Right. Um, well, let, let me ask you though, something since you brought that up. Sure. What made, and you're uh, obviously a baseball, a Pittsburgh historian, but what made yeah. those athletes of that era have that it, have that personality? And, and no knock on today's players, but it, they're sure. not the same. And, and what is the difference be, between the two to you? Well, I, I mean, I think one of it is just the finances of it. I mean, you know, you weren't, you didn't have, uh, you know, going to be able to uh, not do anything kind of money at that point. So I, I think the guys worked harder for it. I, I, I you know, I, I, I definitely think they, um, they probably enjoyed the experience more. I mean, it, it, it probably meant more um, to, to keep a career going at that point um, because, you know, I mean, I mean, those guys, even into the nineties, I mean, they would play in the minors to, to try to stretch it out as much as possible. And, and sure. um, I, I don't know that you see that today, but, uh, but I think that that was part of it, but they were also part of the community a little more. Um, True. 
I mean, we 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 certainly are, are blessed here, especially with with the Penguins. That you know, even though they make nice money, you know, Sidney Crosby is is part of the community. Um, yeah, well, he, you know, well, he lives a lot in Swickley. Part of the community, not too Absolutely. far, not too far from me. And when yeah. they won the cup, he brought the cup to all the stories, all the stories in downtown Swickley. But but I mean, yeah. even for example, yeah. watching that game yesterday and. Willie Stargell with the wristbands, the way he wore them up high, and Parker, the way he would snap, yeah. you know, just his attitude, or Ricky Henderson, or even a guy like a Johnny Bench who was not, uh, you know, he, he he wasn't like flashy, but there was something about Bench, you know. Uh, why sure. is it that we don't see that today? That that type of personality, that kind of confidence, whatever you want to call it. Right. I I think that's part of it. I think I think um, another part of it is. is you know, with the investments team make, you, you, you see guys, and this is not questioning your toughness. This is not questioning. Um, Cause I don't, I don't think it's, it's them. I think it's the team more than anything wanting to protect an investment, but you know, you, you spend a lot more time on the, um, on the disabled list uh, seemingly in, in just yeah. about every sport. And I think that's a major reason for it, but um, you know, it, it just, it just was a, a different time. I mean, I, I think, the connection to the communities were a lot stronger at that point. And, and um, I think it, it made personalities. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just, I, I just get the feeling. And again, you know, I, I don't know this is a fact, obviously, but you just get the feeling that they appreciated what they had more and they, um, and, and they fought to make it go as long as, as possible because it, you know, it, it wasn't, you, you you played three four years here. You pretty much can retire and and not have to worry about it. And that right. wasn't the case then. So I I do think that has a lot to do with it. And, and plus from our standpoint, I I think when you don't have TV shoving every possible game down your throat and and you know we appreciate it more. We appreciated the the fifteen twenty times we got to see the Pirates every year. Sure did. Great point um, there. Yeah. You know, yeah, we would have maybe one or two games. We would have maybe once a week, and then we'd have the game of the week on a Saturday. So it wasn't sure. like now, you know, ten ten games a day. Right, you're right. Right, but, right, exactly. And I and I I think it was a combination of that. And you know, quite frankly, I, I think basically the leadership of baseball has really. I mean, it's laughable how they have gummed up the promotion of the game. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, from some strange, uh, um, strange rule changes, but a lot of it is, you know, what you're promoting now is, um, you know, every every time I, I get a, uh, a little acknowledgement from Major League Baseball on my phone, it's about a fight or it's about a, uh, you know, a guy hit a home run 400 uh, feet, which is, you know, when they start hitting them as far as Mantle and Stargell, you know, <laughs> you know, then then we'll talk. <laughs> That's right. Consistently. But, Right, but they don't. I, to me, they don't promote the game. They don't promote the joy of the game. They they want to find things wrong with the game instead. Um, and, and I, you know, I think that's a shame from from the game itself. I I can understand fans complaining at times, but you know, these are individuals that are supposed to be running the game, and right. I do think that has a negative effect on uh, on the fans. Well, those are great points for sure. And um, we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors, uh, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and our newest sponsor, Quaker Valley Rotary Club. 
who is going to be having their 10th annual Anthony Colosimo golf outing June 11th at the Beaver Valley Golf Club. Looking forward to participating in that. And call Scott Zayner for information at 412-720-0298. And talk about my book, Lead from, which David helped me with, which I always appreciate. Uh, my book, uh, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. It's available on my website, ClaudioRosano.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the Barnes and & Noble in Robinson Township, and the Swickley Penguin Bookstore. We're right back with the great author, David Finoli. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad, and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's, the hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service above self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, David, uh, before we talk about your two latest books, um, you've written so many books. I mean, I can go on and on. Pirates, all-time all-stars, classic bucks, classic pens, Three River Stadium, um, books on Duquesne sports, uh, classic Steelers. But but one before we get into the two latest, as I said, I did want to ask you about a book that I never – I read most of your books, but I never read this one. That's when uh, Cobb met Wagner, uh, Ty yeah. Cobb and Hannes Wagner. Um, first of all, obviously Ty Cobb was known for being uh, you know a little bit uh, – little bit out there i mean he, he was a tough guy he would spike people he would he, he was just a, a a tough guy to play against and i guess sure. just a tough guy person or personally yeah. but how was his relationship with hannes wagner who was by all means by all, all accounts a good guy a hard-nosed player as well but how how did that relationship how was that relationship well i think it was cordial but i i, I don't especially at that point in time i i don't consider that they were friends 
Um, I mean, the, the great thing about this series was it, it was, to me, the first um, championship series that was theater. It was Hannes Wagner, who was considered one of the great sportsmen in the history of the game and certainly of that time. A, a guy who um, had been bogged down with the reputation of being yellow, as uh, um, the Sporting News uh, described him after uh, the 1903 loss to the, the Boston Americans. Um, so he, it was his opportunity to get his reputation back and Cobb was considered the bad boy. I mean, you, you, you had basically a, a good versus a evil situation there. And, and I mean, as we were, um, as the series was developing, Cobb had had an incident earlier in the year with a, um, a hotel detective, um, where the detective Cobb came in late, the detective was questioning him, getting into the elevator, and and you know basically uh, Cobb attacked him and and uh, was on trial for it. So he couldn't go through Ohio, or else he would have been arrested. So Cobb had to have his uncle drive him um, from Michigan up to Canada, across Canada, and then um, through Ontario and down. Um, down Pennsylvania to Pittsburgh. And I think this was one of the problems on why he had a disappointing series is because they said by, by the end of it, he was exhausted because of the travel. And, um, you know, it kind of plays into the, the whole good guy, bad guy uh, theory. But uh, to me, this was the first theater. This was the first, uh, um, first time you, you had like a Montana versus Marino where, where two individuals uh, were a star in a team in, in the best in the game in a team uh, situation. And um, I, I thought that that was one of the things that, you know, obviously it was Pirates first uh, world series win, but one of the things that really drew me to the subject was, was that, uh, um, that conflict between the two. I, I like that. You said it's the, the first theater. That's well put. Now, since we brought up Rennie earlier, uh, you also wrote a book when the bucks won it all. Uh, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about, uh, I'm sure everybody knows about that team because they're pretty well documented, but what is the first thing that hits you about that team? Well, the, that, um, the personality of it is, is probably what, what hits me the most. Um, you know, it, it's just a group of, of uh, fun-loving uh, individuals for the most part but that they were all brought together with a common uh, goal by Chuck Tanner, um, who, who was a, certainly a great manager. And, you know, it, it was something that they were good, but I don't know that, you know, anybody expected this season to, to happen. Uh, I mean, you had the Phillies signing Pete Rose uh, to a free agent contract, um, and they had just come off a couple of National League East uh, championships, and you thought, that was going to be the one that put them over the top. And, and, you know, if not, there were certainly a lot of other uh, great teams there. Um, the Yankees coming off to uh, world series championships, um, you know, so it, it wasn't the kind of thing where you went into the season expecting this team to win, but it was just a collection of players who, I mean, Foley Garner had one of their great seasons sure. at the same time. I mean, a lot of players, uh, Omar Marino, um, had a, I think he hit 282. Uh, was a brilliant defender. Um, you know, certainly the the best uh, uh, stolen base artist in the National League at that point. Um, so it was it was a collection of guys that had 
you know, their, their top seasons or one of their top seasons at the same time. Stargell, you know, when, when you compare him to other MVPs, he might not have the greatest stats in the world, but this, this man took a team on his back like his buddy Roberto did uh, eight years earlier. Sure did. And I, I mean, it, it was just a lot of things that happened at the right time, at the right place, even, um, you know, as Jim Rooker says, when you're down three to one in the series, and seems like the scouting reports you've been getting on the Orioles, because don't forget, you relied on the scouting reports because you didn't see them on TV every day. So Jim Rooker uh, told us, um, my friend Bill and I, who wrote the book, um, that the turnaround happened when the pitchers decided to <laughs> go against what the scouts had told them, um, had told them about the Orioles, and, and they give up, uh, what was it, two runs in three games at that point to, to come back to win the series. Um, so it's it just a lot of weird, unique things at the same time that, that makes this team so special. And also, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, oh, it, it just, you know, the, the shock that they were ne- never able to repeat that success. Cause you, you really thought it wasn't, except for Stargo, it wasn't really an old team. So you kind of thought that, um, this was going to go on and it just didn't. Stargell got hurt, and they I believe they only won 83 games the next year, and that was it. You know, though, you mentioned – that's funny you mentioned about the uh, scouting report. Uh, Rooker told me that story. We were in New Mexico going to a golf tournament, and I remember South Pacific, I can be – we were making a left onto an, uh, an escalator at the airport. <laughs> and, and, he, and I couldn't believe that that's what happened. He said, we just decided to have our own scouting reports. And then I was talking to, uh, yesterday was my daughter's 20th birthday. So, uh, Tom, oh, Danuno, happy who, birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and, and, and by the way, she was also, uh, made the, uh, she's on the color guard. She is the co-section co-section leader of the color guard of Pitt. So I'm very oh, proud of her. Awesome. About that. Uh, thank you. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. But uh, Tom DeNuno, who's been on the show, we were talking yesterday about that. And I said, Bill Madlock, a batting champion, okay, one of the best hitters in the game, I believe batted sixth in that lineup. <laughs> you know, yeah. So that's what kind <laughs> yeah. of a lineup that was. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's interesting about, uh, about that book and, of course, the Wagner-Cobb uh, uh, book for, for, for sure. Now tell us about your two latest books. Uh, well, the uh, two latest um... – one was just uh, a personal joy to write. Um, you know, as a Duquesne alum, Chuck Cooper has a special place in, in the heart of, of all of us. Can't say it was that way when we went there, because for years, people kind of forgot about Chuck. Uh, the school really didn't promote him as much in the 70s and 80s. And we knew about him, but it was some research uh, that I had done to find out a little more about him when I was at school that really uh, kind of fired up my interest about him. I, um, a few years ago, I had met his son, Chuck uh, III, who's just a fabulous person, runs the uh, foundation in his name, which does an incredible job um, giving uh, Africans, uh, African-Americans who want to get an advanced uh, collegiate degree opportunities um, through his foundation. Um, and, um, you know, we started talking about his dad and, you know, as much as, over the last 15 years is starting to come about uh, uh, around about him. There was a lot he really didn't know about him. So uh, we agreed to do the book. The first thing I told him was, I hope you have a lot of pictures because I'm not sure how many pages I'm going to get out of this because there wasn't a lot of real background. So I, I started going into the, the newspaper 
articles uh, of the time period to try to, you know, put his career together. And, you know, every day I would, I would text Chuck with something I had found. Um, and he was like stunned to find out about this. I mean, Chuck Cooper was, for instance, the first uh, Boston Celtic to have a contract hold out. And it wasn't that he was looking for a ton of money, but as he wanted, uh, he didn't want to get uh, um, cheated because he was an African-American. So he held out until the Celtics gave him the money he uh, he deserved. He also, uh, which is a little little known fact, made the uh, the uh, all I believe it was the first all rookie uh, NBA team um, that year. Chuck was a, a tremendous uh, uh, rebounder, tremendous defensive player, was unselfish, but he was also a guy who um, was not given an important part of the offense as many of the African-Americans who first um, played in the NBA were not given that opportunity. But the difference between Chuck and remember this was 1950s. I mean, you, you spoke out against management. You, you spoke for yourself in the papers. A lot of times you didn't have a job and that was just the way it was. But Chuck wanted what was right. And Chuck, uh, um, spoke out not only for himself, but spoke out for, for his fellow uh, African-American players when um, he talked about wanting to get more an opportunity. And, and at Duquesne, Chuck, while the papers complained a lot about the fact he, um, he wasn't the scorer they thought they should be, Chuck was the first um, um, or set the uh, all-time single-season scoring record and was the second uh, um, Duquesne uh, basketball player to reach a thousand points uh, ed dollar his uh, teammate was the first uh, they both did it the same season within a couple games of each other and um you know so he his unselfish game was kind of not really um, appreciated by by the pittsburgh uh, media and but this guy was he was a good aggressive athletic um you know push the ball forward kind of player which again wasn't really part of the game back then. So I think that was the other reason Chuck kind of um, wasn't part of the offense in, in, uh, in Boston, but, you know, Elgin Baylor um, w- would come out and, and thank him for, you know, here was a guy who, you know, showed what an athletic player could be. And, and Elgin Baylor was the first, they kind of let um, uh, be an important part of the offense. And, and it became history at that point. And that all started with Chuck Cooper, but, um, you know, he, he, as great of a player as he was and as great as he stood up for himself, it was his career after basketball that, that really touches uh, me and, and touches other people. He um, was the first African-American um, uh, department head in, in the city of Pittsburgh. He ran the, um, the Department of Parks and, and Recreation for, for a couple of years. Right. Um, and then he finally found his, his niche as a, um, a community officer, really created a position that is, you know, very common and very um, um, important in, in banks today. But, you know, he he his main goal was to remake his section of the city that uh, uh, sections of the city that that he felt needed it. And he was passionate about it. Uh, Chuck would often tell the story about it. They'd go to the grocery store a couple minute walk from the house and. Um, you know, it'd be a couple hours before they got home because of people stopping by and thanking Chuck for what he did for them. Um, 
and he never wanted the. I, I think had he not died so young, he died at uh, 57, um, and, and he he lived his normal uh, lifespan. He might not have been gotten the the Hall of Fame uh, credentials that he got. It was really his son Chuck that uh, went out and, and aggressively wanted to tell the story of his father, and really made it known to the NBA, and really got it out there to the point where. Um, he was honored last year um, with with induction into the Hall of Fame and something that was very uh, deserved. So, um, but th- this was the kind of guy. This is what fires you up about uh, Chuck Cooper is is the fact it was it was about the people. It wasn't about him. It was never right. about you know what he he achieved or what he he did. It was always about what he could do for somebody else. And and he really gave that to his son. And and I can tell, like I said, I mean, you're passionate about all your books, but you were really because we had you on the show earlier, uh, promoting that particular book, and you really were into that book, and I, and I appreciate that. And, and your latest book, tell us about that. Well, we, um, I was uh, talking to Tom Rooney, who was a uh, former uh, uh, president of the Penguins, and we've done. Uh, he's a Duquesne guy too, and we've done some books together, and and we were talking, and he said, hey. You know, we've done a lot of incredible firsts in the city of Pittsburgh um, in sports. Why don't we do a book on that? So got together with a few friends of mine from Duquesne, and, and you know, we came up with, with a unique uh, story of, of Pittsburgh. The first things that happened in the city of Pittsburgh, the first radio broadcast uh, of not only a baseball game, but a college football game occurred on KDK, for instance, um, you know, first World Series scheduled night game um, right. was in 1971 there. Um, you know, we had a hockey. We, we were the first um, uh, city where lines were used in a hockey game. Um, the, the old Pittsburgh Pirates of the NHL. Um, you know, the uh, U.S. I'm sorry, Olympics repeat team. that again. The we first. were the first. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates were the first team that, that used lines. And, and I mean, before it was basically uh, People would play the whole game in hockey, but um, um, Pittsburgh uh, used uh, two definite lines and, and uh, a third in, in certain situations and, and became the first team to do that. And because of it, it was not maybe the most talented team in the world, but they ended up making the playoffs because they would, they would exhaust teams um, by the end of the game because of it. And that happened in Pittsburgh for the first time. Um, the U.S. Olympic team was actually put together and um, – and formulated in, in Pittsburgh. Um, we have three, uh, three, uh, birthplaces, um, all w- with some controversies. The birthplace of foot professional football happened here with, um, Latrobe and Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, of course, having a game where the first professional played and Latrobe having the first uh, team that played us, uh, entire year while the whole team was being uh, paid. So they kind of go off on each other for who is truly the birthplace. Uh, professional football. Um, we have found out in recent years that the birthplace of professional hockey happened here first um, in the city of Pittsburgh, where they would pay uh, uh, Canadians um, a nice amount for the time. I believe it was $30 a week to come to Pittsburgh to play for um, teams in a, a league that came out of the Duquesne Gardens. And of course, you know, um, you're, you're from the Beaver Valley, correct? Or you live there? Allegheny County, uh, Swickley. Oh, okay. 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 Cause I, I hear you talk about Beaver Valley, but anyways, oh, yeah. um, Geneva college, um, 
is the uh, uh, goes back and forth with um, Vanderbilt about who is the who was the birthplace of professional basketball, college or not professional, but college basketball. And um, you know, we find out through our research that it certainly was our our fine university here, our school here in Geneva that that was the uh, birthplace. So it was a lot of neat things. You know, we were able to kind of change history. Uh, Washington and Jefferson. Um, the NCAA had acknowledged for being the first team to wear numbers in college football. Well, through the research, we found out it was actually Pitt um, a full year earlier, um, as we found in the paper, that because Washington Jefferson, when I called to ask where they validated that, they they had no validation other than a guy who wrote a book <laughs> a few years ago. So I started looking up in the paper, and a full year before they played, uh, Pitt uh, uh, was the first uh, collegiate team to wear numbers. So. That was kind of, you know, I, I don't know that a lot of people love that, but that, that was kind of no, very interesting. Somebody sure. was writing a story to, to do that. So it, it was just a collection of these stories. Uh, you know, Waynesburg being uh, the first two uh, uh, college football team to be televised in, in a nationwide uh, uh, situation when they played uh, Fordham. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting things that uh, not a lot of people know. Uh, sure. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to tell it in seven different uh, uh, angles, which uh, with all the different articles, which I, I kind of love that concept. And, you know, Chuck uh, also told the that's where we first told the story of Chuck Cooper was in this book um, before we started doing the research for, for that book. And and a percentage of the proceeds of this book do go to the Chuck Cooper Foundation, uh, which we're all proud of. But this this is kind of a kind of a fun book uh, and and something that. You know, the more we wrote about it, the the more interesting it became. Well, all the books that you've written, that I've read, and I've read a ton of them, um, there's always something in there, a ton of things in there that you think you know a lot about Pittsburgh sports or about a particular player or about a particular particular event. And then all of a sudden, I didn't know that, you know, just like you said about the pit numbers. I mean, you you do great work. You do a great job. And Thank all you. your books are fun to read and interesting, and they're 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 quick reads because they're good. They're not hard to read, um, and yeah. you, you just blow right through them, man. And then you want to read them again, so you, you do a great job. Yeah. And and we have something here called the very welcome the Eric Jackson Lurie final word. Eric Jackson Lurie, criminal defense attorney. Um, so tell us where can we uh, get your books? Um, you can get uh, most of them at um, at Barnes and Noble and any local bookstore and you can get all of them on amazon.com just type in my name david finoli f as in frank i-n-o-l-i and on amazon and they will all come up good all right and and i have to repeat that eric jackson lawyer criminal defense attorney with offices located in downtown pittsburgh in fox chapel call eric at 412-963-9308 the eric jackson lawyer final word david i always enjoy having you on and uh, let me ask you this one more final word yeah. what is next for you what's the next book well uh, we we have uh two that'll come out one on the uh, 60th anniversary of the civic arena which should be um oh wow that um yeah that'll, that'll be here by the end of the year and and just a lot of different angles uh and interesting things that occurred at that legendary facility and then i have one coming out next uh, year that i wrote which was uh, my all-time favorite pittsburgh team and that's a 19 19- 76 uh, Pitt Panther National Championship football team, uh, which we take uh, from the day Johnny Majors was hired to uh, 
uh, the day they won the Sugar Bowl against Georgia to capture their ninth uh, national championship. That's great. Now, with the Civic Arena book, are you going to include uh, professional wrestling? Yes, professional good. wrestling is in there. Absolutely. Good, good, good. All yeah, right, It was a great. very important part of its history. It was, and I remember the first time I went was in February of 1980 to watch uh, the big rivalry between Bruno Sammartino and Larry Zabisco. Um, that was, and then I used to go every month for a couple of years. My brother used to take me along with some other friends of his, and uh, boy, you talk about magical. Um, that, oh, that was a magical those were time. Great fun. They really were. They really were. And and again, when you wrote the book about Three River Stadium, um, as I've said numerous times, I have so many pictures in my office or little uh, statues of Three River Stadium. I loved the Three River Stadium, and I loved the Civic yeah. Arena, and I miss those two buildings, and I always will. Um, Absolutely. I, I, they, were, they were great buildings uh, for sure with great memories. David, as always, again, love having you on. Thank you for everything you've done oh, for I'll me and, and, and my book, and, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again. Uh, thank you so much, and your book is, is certainly was a fabulous, inspirational book, and I hope people certainly are, are buying that. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone, uh, that, was, that was great. I always, as I said, always love having uh, David on. Uh, always want to thank our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club, which does great things. And make sure that you, uh, if you're a golfer, you should go to their event. Uh, June 11th, the Anthony Colosimo Golf Event, uh, Quaker Valley Rotary at the Beer Valley Golf Club. Uh, as always, thank you, Rick Mitchell and Adam Zalouf. And you can get my book, as I said earlier, on Amazon.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com. My website, ClaudioRosano.com, BarnesNoble.com. You can get it at the Barnes Noble and Robinson Township. Next week's guest uh, is scheduled to be rock legend and iconic Pittsburgher and a very good golfer, Donnie Iris. So I look forward to uh, interviewing Donnie. Uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening, and thank you, Mom and Pop. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to The Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts like he can't understand what i'm saying it's not just a hearing problem Jolie. it is a health problem even with a mild hearing loss our risk of dementia doubles with age so let's improve dad's hearing and his health let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding laughter and happy memories serving the dubois area for over 20 years the roscoe hearing care center in dubois punksy and st mary's the hearing solutions you've been looking for call us for an appointment today a one four three seven five zero four five five.
offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available when you need him for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Laurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. 